0: Um, okay, welcome to church. It's a pretty wet and miserable day, isn't it? But we're hoping the rain gets to the places that are needed, so it's not always the worst thing, is it? Um, what is the worst advice you've ever been given? What is the worst advice you've ever been given? Well, the Tonight Show, which is uh, hosted by a guy called Jimmy Fallon, uh, he started this Twitter thing where the hashtag is #badvice, right? Bad advice. And he asked his followers, what is the worst advice they've ever been given? And these are some of the ones they had. So this guy said, my dad told me the broken escalator was voice activated. I spent 10 minutes yelling, go up, before he told me it was broken. Hashtag bad advice. How about this one? I put bacon on a pimple because my granny said it would go away. It grew. Bad advice, Yes. My first time eating sushi, my good friend told me to take that green stuff and spread it all over it because it would taste better. Who hasn't done that to a friend who's never had wasabi before? Come on. When I was little, relevant for today, it was raining. My dad told me, if you run really fast, you can dodge all the raindrops. I believed him. It doesn't work. How about this one? My mom used to tell me that I needed to put deodorant not only on my armpits, but my knee pits as well. Thanks, Mom. Okay, you're not going to get wisdom from those bad advice um, sayings, are you? But what about advice that people do take seriously? Um, You might have seen inspirational memes. So I found a few of the most popular ones. How about this one? Life only comes around once, so do whatever makes you happy and be with whoever makes you smile. What about this one? Be yourself, trust yourself, Love yourself. And for those who are fans of The Office, Michael's best advice, don't listen to your critics, listen to your fans. Now, what do you think of those? Many people actually take those seriously. But I wonder what would happen if you took those examples of conventional wisdom, those inspirational means. Do what makes you happy, Just be yourself. Like, I know where that's coming from, but arguably Hitler was doing what made him happy and being himself, wasn't he? So at what point does it just become an excuse to be selfish? Well, what about don't listen to your critics? Only listen to your fans? Well, how will you ever change? How can you ever improve if you never listen to critics? You see, wisdom is not so easy to come by, is it? A few inspirational memes simply won't do. So where do we find wisdom to live a good life, a successful life, a flourishing life? See, maybe you have got some important decisions in your life that are coming up. School, subject choices, university, career choices, relationship issues, financial choices. There's probably a lot of people here, right? You need wisdom. Or maybe for you it's not the big decisions, but if you're honest with yourself, you are not coping with life. You're not coping with life. Your relationships are a mess. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's other relationships. There's conflicts all the time, or there's cold war between you and your spouse. You are in debt, serious financial debt. You're struggling with addictions. The consequences of bad choices from the past, you still can't shake off. They're still haunting you. You're living with regret and you're living with guilt. You're feeling aimless and purposeless in life. You're anxious all the time, always worried. You're just feeling overwhelmed. You're fearful. Well, if this is you, you also need wisdom. Well, this book of Proverbs gives us what we need wisdom from God, wisdom for life. Now, we're going to spend the next six weeks in the book of Proverbs. I'm really excited about this series that we're doing. Today is really just the intro, just the entree to get you in. But let me give you a preview today, and that is that wisdom is so helpful. Like, I don't think there's anyone who's not included in the Either you've got big decisions coming up or life is not going well for you. I mean, everyone is probably included in some category, right? Wisdom is something that we all need. It's so helpful. But here's the thing, right? Wisdom is hard work. Not only finding out what is wise, but particularly doing what is wise. It's hard work. And so I hope you're ready to pay attention because God has some really good stuff for us. But it's going to be hard work. So I don't know if you're a note taker. This is probably the kind of series you want to take notes for. And a series you want to read up on, the kind of book that you want to read around, the kind of thing you want to discuss in your community groups, and we're doing Proverbs at the moment. So let's pray and let's get into today's intro. Father God, we admit to you that we need more wisdom than we have got, because our lives, whether it's big decisions coming up and we're just fearful of them and don't know how they're going to turn out, or just, just feeling overwhelmed with the bad decisions that we've made, Father, we need your wisdom, and the world offers so many inspirational memes but not very much wisdom and we're confused so we pray that you can come and speak to us through your eternal word in jesus name amen Got your outlines uh five questions the what who why where and how easy to remember what who why where how so what is wisdom keep your bibles open we'll do a bit of flipping i'm not just going to focus on those first seven verses um so look at verse one the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. So we, we see there, Proverbs is a collection or it's a book written by King Solomon. If you know the story, King Solomon was the famous wise king, son of David, the kingdom of God. Uh, Israel at that time was at its peak through Solomon. He could have asked God for anything. He asked us for wisdom. All right. So he wrote this book, and he wrote it so that we would gain wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Uh, In the Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, wisdom is used uh, to describe those who God appoints as artists and builders and craftsmen. Right? They're given wisdom from God to do their tasks, especially when it came to building the temple or the tabernacle in the desert. And it's also especially given to those who are in leadership, in governance, those who are judges and kings and leaders of God's people. That's what wisdom was, you know, that's who wisdom was given to. So what wisdom is, therefore, is knowledge applied to life. You know that? Knowledge applied to life. It's practical understanding. Knowledge applied to life. So wisdom is different to intelligence Right? It's different to just knowing stuff on its own. It's got to be applied knowledge. So when I was in high school, I was stupid enough to do extension 2 maths, otherwise known as four-unit maths. I was okay at four-unit maths. I could get through it. It was fine. I also did physics, and I nearly failed physics. Right? Because I was okay with the maths, I wasn't okay at applying the maths. Right? Wisdom is not four-unit maths, which is pretty much useless to me right now. Right? Wisdom is physics and engineering when you need to apply the mathematics to life, to circumstances, to buildings, to motion, to right, stuff that actually matters. All right? See, lots of really smart and knowledgeable people are very unwise. You can be super intelligent, but really unwise because wisdom has to do with applied knowledge that leads to successful living. Okay, so that's wisdom. Now, with wisdom comes insight. That's the next important word there in verse Number two, all right, for gaining insight, for understanding words of insight in verse two. Now, what's insight? Helps us understand what wisdom is. What's insight? Insight is discernment. Insight is seeing what others don't see so that you can navigate situations successfully, so you can go through life successfully. It's about seeing what others may not be able to see, seeing with clarity, seeing with depth, seeing with experience. That's insight. Now, Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, he had loads of insight, didn't he, when it came to tech. He really changed things. Because if you know anything about Steve Jobs, he didn't just make products that people knew they needed. It wasn't like people were saying, oh, we need this, and Steve Jobs was like, here, you know, an iPhone. No, Steve had the insight to see what people needed before they knew what they needed. Did you see what I mean? That's what made Steve Jobs such a genius. And that's why Apple is really not at the same since Steve Jobs left. Because Steve was able to anticipate people's needs and then create products that showed people they had the need even before they knew it. That's insight. Imagine being able to do that in life. To have that sort of insight. Unfortunately, Steve Jobs didn't have that kind of insight and wisdom. If you read about his life, he was pretty unwise and uninsightful when it came to his personal life. But wisdom and insight will together help a person see well, gain the knowledge needed in order to successfully navigate life. Right? Who doesn't want that? Don't you want that? I do. Now, this book, Proverbs, will do that by using, well, it's called Proverbs. Yeah? So, oh, so what's a proverb? Well, in 1903, the Wright brothers, you might know the Wright brothers, they successfully flew the first aeroplane, Yeah. But when they did it, they already knew that that design of that plane would take off. How did they know? Well, it's because they had built a wind tunnel. They built a wind tunnel to test different designs of the wings, right? And they tested it before they risked their own necks in actual flight. And a lot of technology is used for wind tunnel testing, whether it's cars or bicycles or, you know, wind tunnel testing. Now, Proverbs is a short saying, that's what a proverb is, and we'll meet lots of proverbs throughout the book of Proverbs, they're short sayings, and what they do is they present a little model of reality to help us work it into our own lives. It's sort of like Proverbs is the wind tunnel. They will explore real-life situations using the virtual reality that these short sayings create, the proverb creates, so that you can know in advance what are you going to apply to your life What situations is it going to fly and what situations is it going to crash? Do you see what I mean? That's what a proverb is, a little slice of reality so that you can know in advance what life is going to turn out like if you make certain decisions. That's what a proverb is, right? And that's how wisdom and insight is going to come through proverbs. Now, just to let you know, there is a bit of a simple three-part sort of structure to the book of Proverbs. Um, Chapters 1 to 9 is all by way of introduction, And we're going to spend this week as well as next week on the introduction. Then you're going to get a whole collection of Solomon's Proverbs. And then finally a third section with other random collections from the wise. Okay, so that's the structure of Proverbs. All right, that's the what. Let's go to the who. Point number two, who needs wisdom? Well, chapter 8, verse 4, don't turn to it. Um, There is an invitation that goes out to all people. Actually, wisdom is personified. Wisdom speaks and says, all people come and get wisdom. No matter who you are, you need wisdom. I think we made that point earlier, right? And in fact, even if you are already wise, uh, look at the bit that we read earlier, chapter 1, verse 5. Look at verse 5. Let the wise add to their learning. There's always more that even the wise can grow. So, wisdom is for everyone, even those who already have wisdom. But, Wisdom is especially for, in chapter 1, verse 4, look at chapter 1, verse 4, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Now, that word, the simple, is a key one in terms of the who is wisdom for. It's used 17 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, simple here doesn't mean you're mentally challenged. Remember, wisdom is not about intelligence. Other translations have naive or inexperienced and here's especially linked to the young. What does the word mean? Okay? Well, the word in its original language in Hebrew is related to the word that means to open. Okay, it's related to the word that means to open. So the simple is someone who is too open but in the negative sense. In the negative sense, that means you're you're too open to be swayed. You're too open to be influenced by anything and everything. You're open with too many options. You don't have the wisdom and experience to choose well. That's what the simple are. And so the result is the simple, they'll either jump in without thinking or they'll procrastinate in indecision, right? They seem like opposites, but they're actually all part of what the simple do. Jump in without thinking or you'll just be overwhelmed by indecision because you're too open, The simple will be swayed by inspirational memes like the ones I showed you. Just be happy. Don't listen to critics. Just be yourself. Without thinking that maybe these are pretty shallow and potentially foolish if you really try to live them out. The opposite of the simple is the prudent. All right, verse 4 prudent. The prudent person is thoughtful and makes good judgments and makes good choices. Okay, so Proverbs is especially for the simple. And I want to say, therefore, it's especially for the younger. By younger, sorry, I don't mean just people in their 20s. I mean those who are really essentially under the age of 40. Generationally, you are known as the millennials, the Gen Ys and the Gen Zs. Uh, There's a phrase that used to be called, they used to call the millennials, the Gen Y and under. Um, You are known as the options generation. Have you heard that before? Those under the age of 40, right? Born in the 80s and later, known as the options generation. You grew up with so many choices, but very little wisdom about how to make good choices. You are the options generation. You are the simple, even by definition, the options being too open. You grew up with the internet, which meant that you had more information but less discernment. Social media, especially for you Gen Zers, it gives bite-sized info and lots and lots of it, but the result is you get a lot of breadth but no depth. It's so shallow, isn't it? You have a lot of light, but there's no heat. You've got a lot of passion, but really no follow-through. And more than any other generation, you grew up in broken homes. You're isolated from traditions and families and good role models. You are the simple. And by and large, let's admit it, you are failing at life. Look at the increasing rates of depression, anxiety, and despair among Gen Y and Gen Z. You've had more wealth and more opportunities and more entertainment than any other generation, and you are less happy than any other generation previously. Proverbs is especially speaking to you, and that is probably the majority of the people here at 11 o'clock sweck. Your generation are, by and large, the simple. And just because you are Christian doesn't make you exempt from being the simple and really needing to hear that. Now, by the way, of course, I am generalizing for the under 40s. This doesn't mean that if you're over 40, you aren't immune. Maturity is not always age. You probably know lots of people who are over 40s that are actually less mature. There's also this thing called the midlife crisis that especially a lot of over 40s men go through. That's essentially a regression okay, into being simple and stupid, and that might be you. So it's not just an age thing, but by and large, it is the younger who are more prone to being simple. Now, if you're older than 40, like I am, you might be thinking, great, this book is not for me. We're great. We're so wise. There's nothing that God needs to speak to me today. Actually, I'm going to tell you in a moment in the next point, your problem is worse. Over 40s, me included our problem is far worse. So let me go to the next quest, uh, The next point. Why wisdom? So who all right, especially the simple need to pay attention. Why? Why do we need wisdom? Chapters 1 to 9, as I said in that first section, is that extended intro. And it really, the whole nine chapters of uh, Proverbs, first nine chapters, answers the question of why. Why do we need wisdom? So the best thing to do is read the first nine chapters. All right, read it, because you're going to get a lot of different reasons why. But let me just give you a shortcut. Why wisdom? It's because wisdom promises a full and rewarding life. That is really why you want wisdom. It promises a full and rewarding life. Look at um, chapter 3, verse 13 on the screens. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she, wisdom, is far more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is far more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And notice this, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. All right, who doesn't want that, right? Don't you want to live a successful, flourishing life? Those of you who are Christians, followers of Jesus, don't you want your Christian life to actually be a life of blessing. And I'm not even just talking about material blessing, but even in the tough times, for you to know and be joyful because you have wisdom and your life can flourish. So that's a promise. That's why wisdom. But you know, Proverbs has both promise and warning. Promise and warning. Because alternative to wise living is foolish living. And what Proverbs wants to say about foolishness is really, really sobering. That's what I'm going to spend a little bit of time on. See, wise living leads you to successful living. Foolishness is not neutral in the book of Proverbs. Foolishness will lead you to misery. It'll lead you to death. It'll lead you ultimately to judgment from God. And really, there are only two choices. You're either going to be wise or you're going to be foolish. There are four different Hebrew words, the original is written in Hebrew, that talk about foolishness. Three of them actually are translated at various places with the same English word foolish. Another word is not generally translated as foolish, but really is part of the ID kit for the fool. So let me show you the four Hebrew words about foolishness. There's the firstly the unthinking fool. The first kind of fool is look at verse twelve, verse uh, chapter twelve, verse fifteen. On there, the way of fools, right, seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The unthinking fool is self-confident and often speaks and acts without thinking. There's a famous U.S. president at the moment who does that a lot. Christians who are like this might come off as knowledgeable. Might even be in leadership, but they never really listen. They are not humble. They're not open to advice or rebuke. That is the unthinking fool. A totally different word is the next one the stubborn fool. Look at 14, verse 16. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool, the stubborn fool, is hot headed and yet feels secure. The stubborn fool is one step worse. The stubborn fool is like a mule that will not budge. Not only proud, but actually stubborn and immovable. They will not listen and they will not change. The Bible describes the stubborn fool as hard-hearted, as unrepentant. Now, I said that if you're older than 40, you're not going to get away scot-free because here it is. If the younger are more prone to being simple, the older are more prone to being fools. And it's far worse to be a fool than simple. Why? Because if you're over 40, chances are you are already settled in some sort of foolishness. And it may not be across the board in all parts of your life, but in certain areas of our lives, I think for the over 40s, there's going to be areas where we are already proud, where we are already hard-hearted, and we're more likely to be stubborn. The simple get swayed by everything and anything. That's not a good thing, but at least they haven't committed to foolishness. The over 40s, be careful. There's a good chance in your life right now, you are already the fool whether it's the unthinking fool or the stubborn fool, or perhaps worse is the third one, the scoffing fool. This is usually translated just as mockers. And we see that in chapter 1. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will, and here's the word, mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? The mocker and scoffer goes one step further than even the, the unthinking fool and the stubborn fool the mocker actually opposes the right way by making fun of it and insulting those who do right. Spiritually, a scoffing fool has become a cynic and a critic. And you can be a critic openly, or perhaps just as bad or maybe worse, you can do it passive-aggressively. Some of you may be like that. In your life, you have become jaded and disappointed and hurt in so many ways. How you approach life and maybe even how you think about church and Christian life and Christianity is mainly mocking, disapproving, criticizing, sarcasm. That's your language. You've got to be careful because you might have become the scoffing fool. And all of that leads to the Fourth kind of fool, and it's the worst yet. You can probably tell this is a little bit of a slippery slide, isn't it? It's getting worse. The godless fool. Now, it's not used that many times in Proverbs, I think only a couple of times, but you might know how it's used in the book of Psalms. Psalms 14.1, this is the fool, a different word again from the scoffing fool and from the unthinking fool. This kind of fool, the godless fool, says in his heart, there is no God. And look how they are described, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The godless fool is no longer a Christian. And this is why it's so dangerous, right? Because these are those who have abandoned the faith completely and have abandoned God. And here is why wisdom is so important. Do you see? Because foolishness is not just being ignorant, or not knowing stuff, or being academically challenged. Foolishness starts from being simple, but the simple haven't become fools yet. The simples are just open. They need wisdom, but the simple can go either two ways. They can either become wise or they can start on the slippery slope into foolishness. And that's the danger because you don't choose well. And you will go from being simple to the unthinking fool to the stubborn fool to the mocking fool. And eventually you will lose your faith and become the godless fool. And the destiny, if you read on in Proverbs, is misery and destruction and judgment. If you find yourself already on that slippery slope, and particularly I'm speaking to the over 40s, but also the under 40s, because you might be a fool already. Please be careful. It's not too late. Please turn back, because where it leads is not a good destination. Why wisdom? That's why. How about next point? Where is wisdom? Where do you find wisdom? We want it, don't we? We've heard the promise. We've heard the warnings. We want to find wisdom. Where is it found? Well, it's found in three places. It's found in the world, it's found in the home, and it's found in God. Firstly, wisdom is found in the world. King Solomon was famous for observing the natural world Okay, He was kind of, um, I don't know, what we'd call in our day and age, scientific. He collected scientific observations. He was a botanist, a biologist, if you like. And so wisdom is found in the natural world. Uh, don't turn to it, but in chapter 6, verse 6, um, we're told to learn from the ants. Right? Little ants, they're hardworking. Learn about being hardworking from the ants. If you go to chapter 30, there's even more stuff. More natural things to learn from, not just ants, but other animals in nature. Okay, so, so Proverbs often does that. It'll point you to the world, the natural world. Learn from that. But wisdom is also in the world, in that other civilizations and other cultures outside the community of faith, Israel or Christians. They also have wisdom. And so, people have noticed for a long time, Solomon's proverbs actually have pro- parallels, may have borrowed from or incorporated, or they might have borrowed from Solomon, other ancient sources of wisdom, other collections of wisdom from the Egyptians, from Babylonians, and so on. Because wisdom is also in the world outside. Solomon's own collection within the book of Proverbs, right? It was a collection. He compiled it, he didn't come up with all of them necessarily. And so a lot of wisdom can be gained by asking the question of, well, how is the world ordered? What can I observe about the order in the world? What, what is its purpose? Right? There is wisdom when we apply science and maths that actually come from obs- observing the world. There's a lot of wisdom when we do that and it comes to architecture or technology. That's applied wisdom. Right, so that's wisdom in the world. Where else is wisdom found? Well, particularly wisdom is found in the home, in the home. Proverbs chapters one to nine uses a lot of father son or parent child language to teach wisdom. Um, so, um, have, look, open your Bibles, look quickly at the next section, um, chapter one verse eight. He's going to start by saying, "Listen, my son, to your father's instruction; do not forsake your mother's teaching." If you skip to chapter two. The next big section, my son, if you accept my words, you'll see the same idea at the beginning of chapter three, my son, do not forget my teaching, it happens again and again and again, okay, especially in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Wisdom is found in the home, it's something that's passed on in the context of relationship, it's where you're going to find life experience, where you're going to find practical knowledge, it's going to come from the older to the younger. It's going to come from the parent to the child. And by extension, it's going to come through generations in community, otherwise known as tradition. So here it is, people. If you want to be wise, learn from your family. I know if you're young, you're like, I don't want to learn from my family. If you're a teenager. That's the last thing you want to do. But you'll realize one day that people who are your parents know more than you thought they knew. Okay? If you want to be wise, talk to your elders. Now, Yes, in your biological family, you can gain a lot of wisdom, but some of us have not come from very good biological families, and you may feel like, actually, um, my parents, yeah, they might be wise in some areas, but in a lot of ways, I can see a lot of problems with that, or maybe you haven't had a good parent relationship. Now, if that's you, especially then, don't just think biological family, please think spiritual family. Spiritual family, the church is your spiritual family. If you want to be wise, you will get advice and counsel from spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, spiritual older brothers and sisters, from elders, from pastors. You know, so many jump into huge life decisions on their own, and then, after they've already made a decision, inform their pastor, leader, church afterwards, sometimes by text and email. The worst way to do it. That's foolish. That's to make the error of the unthinking fool. Far wiser before you make a decision, as you're contemplating and as you're weighing it up, to talk to your spiritual fathers, mothers, older brothers and sisters, your pastors, your elders, okay? Thirdly, you can find wisdom, and most of all, you'll find wisdom in God. God. Why? Because, well, God uses nature and the home to pass on wisdom, but also because the nature out there, the world out there, even our homes and communities can only give us partial, incomplete wisdom. And the reason, prime reason is because of sin, right? Sin. Our rejection of God, our rebellion against God has brought brokenness into all of those areas. Like nature is broken because of sin, and not just nature is broken, our ability to, to, to perceive nature, to, to see and observe, do science even and, and draw conclusions, even observations, right are broken, distorted by sin. You know that the leap from science to ethics, from what is to what ought to be is a very, very tricky leap. For example, you observe that some animals have multiple sexual partners. therefore you say that humans also need to have multiple sexual partners, you see? That would be very unwise, wouldn't it? Sometimes observing the natural world is not going to yield wisdom at all. Sin has also corrupted the home, families, cultures, generations and communities. I mean, so much wisdom can be passed on through families, but so much foolishness can be passed on through generations. That Parental pressure to succeed in a lot of Asian cultures. And I don't just mean the good kind of pressure to bring the best out of the child, but the kind that causes crippling fear, anxiety, even suicide and depression. That's there, isn't it? Where does that come from? That comes from generations of foolishness, thinking that what matters most is your grades. That comes through generations and that's been corrupted by sin. And it's not wise, is it? But most of all, sin has made our hearts have a bias towards foolishness and godlessness and idolatry. Our hearts, ultimately our hearts are what needs to choose and do what's wise. But it's not like we're neutral, okay? It's like we're bad shopping trolleys. You know those ones that you doesn't matter how you turn, it's always going to go that direction because it's just off-kilter. Our hearts are like bad shopping trolleys. Left to ourselves, our hearts naturally turn away from God, turn away from wisdom. And we do foolish things. And we even make the good things that God gives us, we substitute into God things and we turn them into idols. And so, do you see, true wisdom can only be found ultimately in God, therefore, because we need Our world and our worldviews and our homes and our cultures, we need them all to be remade by God, which leads to my fifth point how to get wisdom. You know, good movie soundtracks often have a theme, right? A musical theme. So, if I said to you, What's a musical theme of the Harry Potter movies? Can you think of it? Can you hear it in your head? Yeah, it's Hedwig's theme, and then it'll kind of weave its way through various points in the soundtrack. Star Wars, what's the theme? Well, it's a few, actually, right? There's also Luke's theme, and there's Leia's theme. That's why it's such a genius movie, because it has so many themes. And, you know, the really good composers will actually even deconstruct the theme, right? If you've seen the movie Inception... Um, Hans Zimmer, you know, probably the second greatest composer ever lived, the greatest is John Williams, of course, second greatest composer ever lived, he takes the theme of Inception, and you know those bass notes in Inception, if you've seen a documentary, that's actually a deconstructed theme turned into just those bass notes, when they do that kind of, anyway, I'm just going on now, anyway, um, the point is, Throughout the movie, these themes will be there, sometimes overtly, sometimes subtly and deconstructed. What is the musical theme of the book of Proverbs? It's this, the fear of the Lord. Right? That's going to come up again and again in different ways. The theme of the book of Proverbs, the underlying thread is the fear of the Lord. Or if you are the techie kind of person, maybe this analogy will work for you. If wisdom is the software, then the fear of the Lord is the operating system. Does that make any sense? Don't worry if it doesn't. Okay. So let's have a look. Or perhaps today, if wisdom is the apps, then the fear of the Lord is the operating system, whether it's Android or... I'll stop there. Okay. Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We read that earlier. You're going to see that again, especially fleshed out in chapter 9, verse 10, famous verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? Remember, where is wisdom to be found ultimately in God? How is wisdom? How are you going to get it? By fearing God. Now, to fear God is not to be terrified of God because He's going to zap you if you do the wrong thing. That's not what the fear here means. You see, in the Bible, biblical fear is part of loving God. You fear the God you love because the God you love is not like you. All right? He's big. He's creator. He's holy. He's perfect. He's much bigger than you. You can't control him because of who he is. You love him, but you give him his due respect and you revere him and you are in awe of him and you worship him. That's what fear means. And ultimately, fear expresses itself in putting God first in your life. He's number one. You trust Him. You depend on Him. Now, especially when it comes to wisdom. My kids know this verse from Sunday school. Look at it. Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Yeah? Right? Remember, the fool trusts in themselves. The wise is humble and obedient and leans on the Lord for everything, especially when it comes to wisdom. And this is why the semi-literate old lady in China who has had no education but who has memorized the Scriptures has more wisdom than the church bishop who no longer believes that the Bible is the Word of God and there are plenty of them who don't. Because the little lady in China trusts in the Lord with all her heart. She leans on her own understanding. and She is wise. See, true wisdom can only be found in a relationship of love and trust and obedience to God. And that only happens, of course, through Jesus. Now, not just because that Jesus dies for our sins and through His death on our behalf, we can be forgiven and in a relationship with God, that's true. But also because through Jesus, what happens is we who live in this broken world, we are suddenly synced up again with God And how He's made the world. And we can see His plans and His blueprint for the world and our lives. We're re-synced with that through Jesus. Now that's a much bigger topic for another day because that's really the theme of the whole Bible. right? How does Jesus change everything? But let me just give you some of the ways in which Jesus does and the categories we looked at. So Jesus comes to the world as God the Creator. He's fully God. And He comes... And of, and of course, by being the creator and living amongst us, he now reveals the creator's original blueprint for the broken world. Right? You read the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life, and you will see a picture of how God intended the world to be. It's the blueprint. But Jesus also comes not as, just as God, fully God, but he's also fully man. And when you see him live, you see him live out the fear of God the Father in his life. He applies perfect submission to the Father's will, right? He reflects God. He reflects perfect man as well. That's wisdom. And Jesus also brings a new way of seeing the world. Jesus, for the Christian, is not just forgiveness of sins going to heaven when we die. Jesus is a worldview. And this worldview, mind you, might seem foolish to the world outside, but is actually wisdom from God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're familiar with, you've read the Bible, often the wisdom of God seems really stupid to the world outside because it's expressed in paradox. So Jesus and the worldview he brings means that if you are low, you will be high, but if you are high, you will be low. If you want to save your life, then you need to give your life. If you try to save your life, you'll lose your life. Paradox. If you really want freedom, you need to submit yourself to the law of God, which gives perfect freedom. Paradox. If you want to be strong, you need to be weak. Jesus provides all of those wisdom that seems to be foolish, but actually is wise. And when the world does the opposite, it is foolish. And ultimately, Jesus fixes that broken heart of ours, the biased heart, the shopping trolley hearts. When He comes into your life and you follow Him, He makes you want wisdom, and He makes you able to live wisely by His power. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, right, before you even talk about how to get wise, how to live successfully, a lot of people are like, I want to come to church because I see an order, I see families that are happy, and I want some of that, but I don't want Jesus. Can I just say, right, that's, you're selling yourself short. Because the ultimate thing that's going to make sense of your life is Jesus. So come to Jesus first, and you will see how He begins to change your life. And today you can do that. All right, final how. Okay, so how is fearing and trusting God. But then give you a final how before um, I close up today. And it's this, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, it's hard work. Wisdom is hard work. That's the other how, hard work. Verse 2 uses the word instruction. Right for gaining wisdom and instruction that word is also sometimes translated as discipline discipline is hard it's important it's necessary no one really likes discipline at the time but it's hard, but it's really valuable isn't it right you can't be a top athlete without discipline you can't succeed in your jobs without discipline you can't succeed in school without discipline right but it's hard work the word means Correction, rebuke, learning from mistakes. See, wisdom will come through the hard work of actually seeing sin or seeing foolishness in your life. Come through the hard work of then for repenting and confessing that. The hard work of resolving and making changes. The hard work of forming new habits so that you can develop new character. All right, there is no shortcut to this. All right, You want to be wise? There's no shortcut. See, many of you will hear these sermons, leave church from this series, six sermons on wisdom, and you'll be there, oh wow, there's lots of practical things I can apply, but then you will go home and you will forget all about it. And that would be foolish. Because to be wise, you need to put the hard work in of pursuing wisdom by the help of God. Um, Look at James. James is sort of the New Testament equivalent of Proverbs james says if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you great isn't it you want wisdom ask god for it good start but look at this but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. The doubt here isn't, I don't believe that God can give it to me. The doubt is, I don't, I say I want it, but I don't really want it. Okay? The double minded, the doubter there in Proverbs language is the simple. The simple who's headed towards foolishness. The double minded is, I can't make up my mind. Oh, yeah, God, I want wisdom, but actually, I'm not willing to put in any hard work to change. Do you see? That's the double minded. That's being foolish. You say you want it, but you don't want to do anything about it. And Proverbs and James wants to tell you, don't be like that. Don't be like that, because you're not going to get wisdom without really pursuing it, single-mindedly putting the hard work of pursuing it. And so the next five weeks, as you hear about various aspects of wisdom, we're going to look at topics like money, like our speech, like sex, and There's going to be lots of ways in which you're going to hear the wisdom of Proverbs. Can I encourage you? Put in the hard work. Ask for wisdom. Don't be double-minded. Don't be simple. Actually pursue it. And let me close with Proverbs 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Let's get the band up. Let's pray. Let's get ready to sing. Father God, we confess to you how many areas of our lives we are like the simple we get so easily swayed we are indecisive we are double-minded and even now as we hear your word and maybe the ways in which you're challenging us we just want to ignore it please help us not to do that help us to find in jesus new hearts new hearts that will desire after change new power through your spirit to make these changes because we want to live a christ-honoring wise successful and flourishing life that brings others to know Jesus as well. In his name we pray. Amen.